Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on Live Truth. Today is Live Truth. Live Truth. I did not tie these words in. I've really enjoyed the first two weeks of Vision Month this year. Every year I try to stay kind of to the same script to reiterate certain things, and I got bored out of my mind doing that. And so I just said, absolutely no way I'm going to talk about the same stuff again this year. And in doing so, I kind of missed some of the points I probably needed to make. I didn't need to make, but could have made, and we'll tie them together now. But earlier this year, just just really felt some clarity on our vision, just a little bit more, a little bit more nuggets to it. And loving God, I just really feel, we just we had three words that came with our vision, but love God is awaken. Really believe that awakens the body. We're called to awaken people to the love of God. And then the second is to engage. Love people is to engage, and then live truth is to equip. And I would, I would add one more thing, empower. Equip and empower. To live out your faith. Live out your faith with integrity. And so that is our vision. So today I want to talk about living out our faith, living truth. Um, I'll again read from our website just so you, in a nutshell, can see what we're saying, what we are telling the world we believe. You may have never checked it out. Live truth. And then there's Titus 2, 11 through 14. God's readiness to give and forgive is now public. Salvation's available for everyone. We're being shown how to turn our backs on a godless, indulgent life and how to take on a God-filled, God-honoring life. This new life is starting right now and is whetting our appetites for the glorious day when our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, appears. He offered himself as a sacrifice to free us from a dark, rebellious life into this good, pure life, making us a people he can be proud of, energetic in goodness. We've changed the old life for a new life, a pure life of good works. And so that is the life that we are to live, live the truth of the gospel. And we say we believe that freedom comes from living a life in line with the truth of God's word. Because of this, Redemption Life Church presents God's word in creative, relevant, and understandable ways, hopefully, helps you discover paths to apply God's word to your everyday life. It's important that the word that you hear and learn is applicable. So many times we get ideas about God, but we need some practical application of how the word can be fleshed out in our life. Gives the Holy Spirit liberty in our services to lead us into all truth. Commissions you to actively live truth by serving our body and community. All right? Every person wants their life to matter. Every person wants their life to matter. That's why in our culture, we chase after titles and influence and success and all those things because we want 
our life to matter. We want our kids' lives to matter. So we want our kids to be successful. We want our kids to be educated. We push our kids harder. We want them to go further than we did. We want them to do a lot of stuff. And sometimes we get on this merry-go-round of the world's culture and we are just driving we're driving ourselves and all those around us into this pursuit of things that don't matter in the end wealth is not evil influence is not bad both of those things can be used to greatly affect those around us for the glory of god amen, amen. but those things in themselves aren't what we're made for we're made to build the church. God made each one with unique talents, personalities, and skill sets. We get the most joy and make the most difference when we use our God-given talents, gifts, and abilities to build the church. Look at Ephesians 4. Some of you are like, what? I'm just, my main call is to build the church. Well, let's look at this. Ephesians 4. 11 through 16. And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles, and some with grace to be prophets, and some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. Look at verse 12. If you ever wondered what the pastor's job is, what the apostles' job, the prophets, the teachers, all right, the evangelists, what the jobs are of the people who you pay your tithes, and so they got a job, and they need to do it. Right? You know what my job is that you guys pay tithes and help fund my income? My job is to nurture, verse 12, their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works. So my job that you pay me to do is to put you to work. <laughs> is that what it says? Prepare all the believers to do their own works of ministry. As they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. Yes. These grace ministries will function. How long will they function? Until we all attain oneness in the faith. You think the grace gifts are passed away? Have we all attained oneness in our faith all over the world? Just one big happy family in faith. All right. Until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. You know what? People say some things are passed away and not passed away. When do we know Him in His fullness? I mean, what are we going to do as long as we're on this earth? Even if we've got the best worship pastor and the best pastor and we're in the best church, it's still going to be looking through a glass darkly until we see him face to face. So these gifts are going to be around until we're not around. So people that say the gifts have passed, if they're here to tell you that the gifts have passed, then the gifts haven't passed. And finally, we become one perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity. (laughs) Pretty arrogant thing to say that we have arrived and the gifts are no longer needed. I've arrived in full maturity. (laughs) 
Ask my wife, she will tell you. <laughs> Ask my children, they will testify of my maturity. I'm so mature, check this out. I just need to make a confession to y'all today. I think it needs to be brought out in the open. It's a very sad thing. My wife today is wearing her boyfriend's shirt. I found the tag in the trash. Boyfriend's shirt. You got some questions to answer, young lady. I cracked up this morning. I saw this in the trash. She took this off her shirt. Boyfriend's shirt. That's the name? What's Oh, because, yeah, when I got here, I was like, I thought it would be like, kind of looks like a man's shirt. That's like your boyfriend's shirt. And I look, oh, that's not that shirt? You decide not to wear it? It's not holy to wear your boyfriend's shirt to church while, you're, <laughs> while your husband's up here preaching. <laughs> Is my maturity exuding from me right now? With the full dominion. <laughs> huh? Shoot that rabbit. Shoot that rabbit. Leave it alone. Uh, we become one perfect man. With full dimension of spiritual maturity and fully de developed in the abundance of Christ. And then, this is so exciting. I mean, this, this like excites me so much. If anybody else is here in here is honest, this will excite you. And then our immaturity will end. Is anybody excited that your immaturity will end? Is anybody else in here, is it just me that's like, why am I so immature in the faith about some things? Why do I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I act like that? I just want to be... A grown-up. Good night. Why do I act like I'm three years old sometimes? Woo. And listen, and we will not easily be shaken by trouble. How many people are excited about that? We will end our immaturity, and we won't be shaken by trouble. Every day, drama, dramatic. Oh, Lord, what's going on? I'm dying. Why, Lord, have you forsaken me? It's a hangnail. It happens, you know? Grow up. Stop being shaken by trouble. It's okay. Nor led astray by novel teachings or by the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. But instead... We will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth, as we live the truth. But all of this comes from the body. Do you not see that? All of this comes from the body. It comes from the apostles and the prophets and the teachers and the pastors and the evangelists doing their jobs which is putting you to work and it comes from you doing your work and the work that you do actually 
no pain, no gain is actually what forms in you maturity. So if we refuse to serve, we refuse to grow. If we refuse to serve, we decide to stay the same. If you're saying like me sometimes, oh God, why am I so immature? Serve. Find something to do. And pour into others. And watch it change. All our direction and ministries. What's your ministry? I'm supposed to empower you to do ministry. You're not supposed to come here and watch me do ministry. Watch the worship team do ministry. You're supposed to come here to get marching orders, to get some new insights, to get some new direction, to get some new ideas, to get a new call, to see a new door open, to see where maybe there's a new place you can plug in and fit in. We're here to help you discover and launch and find. But the whole purpose is for you to do the work. That's our job. Many people don't push you to do work. Now I'm talking church in large. Because if I push you to do work, you leave. And then nobody will pay my salary. Right? So I'd rather have a bunch of people watch me work as long as they pay me. That's called a hireling. Rather than actually do what I'm hired to do, which may result in everybody leaving and me getting a job at Walmart. But I did my job. We don't circle around a paycheck. We circle around God. We circle around his call and his mandate on our life. I've been guilty. Time in our ministry where we got into the high school. Man, we were in the little storefront. There was no pressure. $700 a month payment, rent payment. That was it. I didn't get a check. I drove a bus. I didn't care that I didn't get a truck. I was used to not getting the tr- ch- check, not a truck. <laughs> I want a new truck. <laughs> I'm going to throw that out there. I've been faithful. I've driven my truck 13 years. It's the little things. My truck automatically locks when you drive it. And now the back doors won't unlock (laughs) with the key thing or the button from the front door. So I get out, go to get my backpack out of the back, which I've for years stored in the back. I got to go back in, put the key back in the ignition, roll the window down in the back, pull the knob, roll the window back up. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, what is going on? But there was no pressure. There was also no opportunity to grow past 44 people. That's how many chairs we had. 44 people. So I saw an opportunity and I seized it because I'm ready to take Knoxville. And we went from our 44 seats to 575 seats at Powell High School. (laughs) And... It, it was tough. We roped off 300 seats. 
and tried to get everybody to sit in this one section of a hundred and something seats, but it cost more money. I needed more people. I don't know how we went there with like a hundred. I don't know where those people were in that other place, but somehow they were coming. I don't know. We had kids in a little room and babies in a little room, so we count them too, right? So we were max capacity. But you know what I started doing? Every Sunday, I was obsessed with how many people were there. I mean, it was devastating if there wasn't enough people there because I knew I needed more people to have more money. I needed the money to pay the bill. And we're setting up the church every time and tearing it down. That was so fun, wasn't it? And uh, we were doing all that stuff, and I just died. Like, it killed me. I, I went to church for all the wrong reasons. The church that I planted because I didn't want to go through the motions of church because I'd been a staff pastor for a long time and I wanted something fresh and real and not about all the maintenance issues I had to talk about every weekly basis. And then I was just thinking about all the maintenance issues and all the bills and all the people and it robbed me from vision. It robbed me of freedom. It made me so conscientious of what I share. And I had to share something great and revolutionary, right? I had to share something that everyone would love so we would, they would keep coming and get more people there. And I was just a hireling for the people. I was working for them, trying to give them what they want and keep them there. And it was impossible. So I said, I'm going back to the house. And we said one Sunday, we're not going to meet anymore. We're going back to our house. And we went to my, back to my living room, way backwards, because we at least had 44 seats, right? We didn't even have 44 seats in my living room. We go back to my house, and 30 people come with us. Some of them are here today. And we had to stay in that place for six months, weeks, months. Six months until I let all of my ambition die and I didn't care if I ever did anything else other than that ministry in my living room with my family and whoever wanted to be there because they want to be there and I don't have to work to keep them there. And that was freeing. I don't want to work to keep you here. I want to work to make you work. I want people that want to work to be here because that's my job and that's the only reason I'm here. I believe we're a force that's going to change this city and the nation and the nations of the world and it's going to be made up of people who are ready to work. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him. But it's ministries. It's talking about ministries. The path to going deeper in him is through doing. We hate that nowadays. Don't talk about doing stuff. We just lay in the floor and listen to worship, right? And soak. Sometimes you got to get out of the floor and go do something to go deeper. I believe we've saturated ourselves about as much as we can saturate ourselves. Some Stand up and wring some out and he can pour some more in, right? Good Lord. Right. 
For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And every member has been given divine gifts to contribute. Are you here to receive? First time guests, please. Y'all just receive. (laughs) Just just look at the people around you and say, man, he's talking to y'all. We're guests. Y'all need to do stuff here. We're just guests. <sighs> Contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively, they got to operate at all before they can operate effectively. Right? We're so worried about whether or not it's going to be effective or not that we never start. But if it's ever going to be effectively done right, it has to be started. Yes. Okay? And so we can, as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. Who wants to go there with me? I want to go there. I want to live there. I want to be there. You know, I... When we talk about soaking, we went over to my grandfather, my papa dies house yesterday. He's not been able to come to church in several weeks. And every time we say that, it's like new information because his memory's not as sharp about some things as it has been. He can tell you how much a gallon of gas was in 1934. Um, and um, and he's, he's good. He's pretty sharp. I mean, we but some things he just time and so we went last night and said hey we're gonna we got a keyboard and my cousin Kendra he's a pastor's daughter and has played in the church for years and just is amazing at playing the old hymns especially I don't know I mean every song we named that we wanted to sing she told us what page it was on just by heart and just started immediately you know playing it I'm like, that's pretty amazing, you know? I mean, it's pretty amazing to have a repertoire in your mind of 400 songs that you can play like that and tell me what page it's on. That's impressive. And I love those songs. I can't sing a lick. I might have got on their nerves, but I ended up practically leading singing. (laughs) And there's four... Amen about what part? I can't sing. (laughs) Robbie was there. I can't sing a lick. Amen, brother. I heard you say amen all day, son. But I noticed a little trend, okay? And I can see where some of the hymns or a collection of hymns got us in a certain mindset. set. I know where it came from. And I know the intent of it was amazing and pure, but a lot of the songs are about heaven, and a lot of the songs are about working hard until we get to heaven. Okay? And so we made a bunch of hardworking people that say, just a few more weary days and then. You know? And, and I believe he said, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I'm, I'm feeling like we can get so thick with heaven down here that it's almost like 
we just move across the street, not to a different hemisphere when, when it's time to transition, right? I think we can be in the same neighborhood here, right? And, and we, just, we just do a little upgrade maybe on our palace. So I like to say just a few more wonderful days and then I'll make a slight alteration and be seeing face to face, right? Move that little bit of glass darkly that was left because I threw my veil away a long time ago and I just have a little glass darkly now. It ain't going to be like daylight and dark. It's going to be like, oh, just slightly different. Can be, I believe. But we sang songs like, keep on the firing line. You must fight, be brave against all evil. Never run or even lag behind. If you would win for God in the prize, you must keep on the firing line, right? I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. I promised him that I would serve him till I die. Now I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. I love it. Love it. So much action and so much escapism. It's like action and escapism to heaven, you know? And so, but just it's a beautiful picture and a blend. And now we're like... Oh, Jesus loves me. He just loves me. This is so awesome. And that comes from a deep revelation that we really needed to have. A deep revelation that we really needed to have. That it's not just, I promised him I would, so I've got to do it. And the quicker he comes, the less I have to do it. So we're miserable Christians wanting him to hurry and come. So we can quit doing stuff for him. Now that's going to be daylight and dark. Because you're going to get to heaven and it's just going to be eternity doing stuff for him. So if you don't love doing stuff for him here, it's going to be a big turnaround up there. But if you can get to the place where serving him is like laying on the floor receiving his love... You get to the place where you really get a deeper revelation of what it means, then it's going to be a beautiful thing for you. It's not going to be daylight and dark. You know, my wife loves me well. The, oh, let me finish that. But, I was thinking yesterday, man, we need a little. I'm on the battlefield for my Lord conversations. We need a little, I promised him that I would serve, would use what he's put in me. I promised him, see, Becky, you were on good today, dear. I promised him that I would do these things. I, I surrendered my life to him. We made an exchange. He ransomed me. He bought me, and he purchased me, and he owns me, and I do it. Out of, I'm a son, and I'm a son, and I, he loves me. But the more he loves me, the more I want to take my sonship and become a bond slave. Because it's a reasonable act of worship. Because he loves me so well. It's not, it's, not, it's not sacrifice even. It's just a wonderful exchange. And I'm a son and a bond slave. I'm a son that loves his father so much that it's my honor to serve him for all eternity. The absurdity of some things that we've come to, 
is the more revelation we have of the love of God, the less we want to serve. Isn't that weird? That's immaturity. That's taking advantage of your parents. The more they love you, the more you feel like you could just do whatever you want because they've given you that freedom. And so we take that freedom and we disrespect them. and It happens, doesn't it, Mom? The more our parents love us and cover us and let us do what we want to do, sometimes the more we take advantage of it. Sometimes we don't realize till we get older the joy of serving them, right? I mean, we serve our kids, serve our spouse, but sometimes we don't realize the honor of serving them till you're bathing them or you're taking care of them and at that point you're honored to have that opportunity to serve them but we miss that in our freedom why does it not make us want to all the more serve the deeper we go in revelation of his love Why does it make us feel like he's a taskmaster if we work? He shouldn't have to be a taskmaster. And we shouldn't do it out of indebtedness. What is a reasonable response? Present my body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable, which is my reasonable act of worship because he's so beautiful and he's so Amazing, and we should serve. We should consecrate our lives to Him. Jahan, come here a minute. Yeah, I wanted answers about the boyfriend shirt before I did this. (laughs) And you passed the test. The absurdity of, of this mindset is the greater my wife loves me and communicates value to me, makes me feel like a million dollars, in turn... And see, we only, we only do this with God because we don't see him. It, it, kinda, it can only corrupt that relationship because it, it, it's, it's the, the distance can somehow, our finite mind can't really close the gap. And so we can, he's easier to take advantage of. It's harder to take advantage of somebody sitting there looking at you, taking care of you, and you never speak to them, right? It's a little easier to take care, advantage of him. But the absurdity of this would be the more she makes me feel like a million dollars, the more she loves me, the more she just pours into me and serves me and, I mean, just meets every need. I mean, gives herself to me, beautiful. And, and I come home and there's a meal ready, you know, and that's amazing with all she has going on and all those things. 
the absurdity of the mindset we've got is the more she loves me and the more she communicates worth to me, the lazier I get. The more I want to sit on the couch. The less I want to communicate anything back to her. The less I want to serve her. I come home and there's a meal ready, and I know, man, that's, been a, that's a huge thing with the day that she's had and all this stuff, and she's not barefoot in the kitchen. She's always pregnant, but she's not always barefoot in the kitchen. <laughs> I, I spend some time in the kitchen myself, right? But if I come home and she's made me a meal, man, that'd be like, oh, man, I never have to cook again. She's so good. It makes me want to cook tomorrow night. It makes me want to prepare a meal tomorrow night. It makes me want to lavish on her how she's making me feel. I want to make her feel. What she's communicating to me, I want to communicate back to her. Yeah. Good. Yep. I skip majority of my notes. <laughs> you know... When Jesus went to wash his disciples' feet, they said, we should be washing your feet. What a novel idea. This is a little saying I used to say. There's nothing between me and you except air and opportunity. So you didn't. She did. Mary did. But you didn't. Oh, you know, you can't wash my feet. I should be washing your feet. Out of compulsion, out of obligation, because he did it, then we want to do reactionary. Oh, we should have done that because our pride doesn't want to receive it. The beautiful thing is, is when we can receive his love, let him wash our feet. We don't feel diminished in that because he loves us and it's his heart to wash our feet. Yet we can get up from that and be so excited about the opportunity to wash his feet, to serve. See, John 13, 3 through 5. Now, Jesus was fully aware that the Father had placed all things under his control. For he had come from God and was about to go back to be with him. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer robe and took a towel, wrapped it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' dirty feet and dry them with his towel. His ability to serve, my goodness, how much time do I got? I got time. that I need ready. Can I share you something from somebody else or does it got to be fresh from me? If it's got to be fresh from me, you're in trouble. I've never preached a sermon fresh from me in my whole life. There's always parts of something in it that I've read because I'm a reader and there's always parts I'll bring or something somebody's poured into me. <clears throat> 
This is a book by Bill Johnson, The Way of Life. Talks about how they built the culture in Bethel. Give me just a minute. I want to read you just a couple paragraphs out of this. Uh, so few people have what we'd call a healthy self-esteem in their place before the Father as son or daughter. So many good people have fallen into this trap of unbelief about their own identity in him. Tragically, this habit is thought by many to be humility. And any time we give a virtuous name to a defect, we give it permission to stay and gain influence. If you call a defect a virtuous name, you give it permission to stay. So insecurity in our place that we call humility is empowering it to stay in our life. Because of this fact, it becomes... Wait, shoot, wrong place. Uh, gain influence. It isn't humility. It usually reveals our own unbelief. As people begin to grow in their understanding of their identity in Christ, the growth often comes in phases, just as when we were children. One of the most constant mistakes is when people grow in their identity through a title or how they function in a spiritual gift. I may not, I am not my gift or title. I am a child of God, period. Whenever we build our identity around our title, we turn to a performance mentality in serving the Lord. It's, not, it's just not healthy. Our own emotional, mental, and spiritual stability become compromised with this posture. We are stable only when we see ourselves as a child of God. One of the most significant moments in Jesus' life is found in John 13. This is where Jesus washed the disciples' feet. This was a commissioning of sorts as he set the direction for their thinking and values from that point on. These verses are fascinating because they talk openly about what Jesus had on his mind. First of all, he was aware that the Father had given everything into his hands. The eternal Son, Son of God surrendered everything to become a man and now re-inherited re everything as the Son of Man. See that he gave everything up and became a man so that he could re-inherit it as a man, which now gives us the ability to inherit it. That's the first fruits. The eternal Son of God, uh, let's see, this is a stunning picture of the sacrifice that was made for us. He did this so we could be included in an inheritance. Second, he knew he came from the Father and was now about to return to him. It was in that context with an awareness of extreme personal significance that he rose from supper, girded himself with a towel, and washed his disciples' feet. In our environment, I know when a person truly sees their significance as no position of service is too low. How you can recognize that someone really understands their personal significance is that no position of service is too low for them. If there's a position of service too low, then they're insecure in their significance. 
Serving well tarnishes neither their self-esteem nor their need for respect from others. Jesus is the ultimate model of this as he uses this moment to honor those who would now carry his name into the earth. And he commissions them to do the same. Serving well is how we respond to really seeing our significance. Serving well is, how, is responding to how we really see our significance. We should be able to serve. I started this by saying we all want to do something. We all want to be significant. We all want to matter. We all want to count. And we drag the lying culture of the world that don't know the first thing about true fulfillment. We bring that culture into the church. And the church looks just like the world. We've got people trying to climb ladders in the church. We got try, people trying to get badges in the church. We got people trying to get names at the church. People will walk up to me for the very first time and start telling me, I'm prophet, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that. I'm like, here, have a towel. Show me something. Kevin Wallace preached a sermon. See, I steal something else. He said, We need to trade our titles for a towel. Because if you know your real significance, you don't care about your title. And you'll be quick to grab a towel. But when you don't, you won't. So many of us don't serve out of our own insecurities. So many of us, here's some common misconceptions of the church. We think of the church as a building, not a body of people. We think of the church as an event that happens once a week. We think of a church as a TED talk to better our lives. We think of church as optional. We think of church as entertainment meant to please our senses. It's not. It's a training ground. It's practice. It's back basketball practice. It's equipping. It's where you come into the weapon room and pick out your weapons. It's, it's where you come in to do work. It's where you come in to grow up. It's where you come in... To be a part. This is a team. Yes. Right. Probably the, most, the best word that we can interchange with church is team. Yes. Yeah. This is Redemption Life team. Yeah. And if you're on a team, yes. we don't need any bench sitters. We need people to play. John, while you're up here, I didn't think about this, but it's convenient. <laughs> you can tell them about that dream real quick, I think. Don't take too much of my time. I had a dream probably five or six years ago before we, um, I think we were in the living room. I don't, I don't know. It was very early on. And there were two scenes to the dream. Logan and Sandy helped me with number one. I still have revelation on it. But um, we were at what is, it actually is an actual structure, the Shell Station out by the Emory Road exit. But it, it wasn't a gas station inside. It was, we were in there working. There were just a handful of us, and we all had orange jumpsuits on. <laughs> Which I was like, that can't, can't be prison, right? I mean, anyways. So we were in there working, and... Um, it's the birthing of RLH right there. I just got interpretation <laughs> of that dream. <laughs> no. Then I... Uh, uh, 
a young, a young lady came in, a single mom, and she had some children, and there was this like, oh, we got to help this lady. So we helped her, and scene change. We're, um, we're still at, there's a knowing, I don't know how to explain it, but there's a knowing in the dream. We are at Emory Road Airport. That's all I know to tell you. But we were in this massive room that was like circular. It looked like the Coliseum. And we all had um, overalls on and like white t-shirts and they were not clean. And there was a dust in the air like if you would go to a rodeo. Like there was just this clouds of dust moving in the air. We were all just hustling and bustling and talking. And it was um, very exciting in the atmosphere and lots of hustle and bustle. But we were all dressed. There were thousands of us. And we were all dressed in overalls. Yeah. That was was such a foundational dream early on. You know, um, it's a Coliseum-type atmosphere down at the Powell Airport, and we're all in overalls and T-shirts and dust in the air. That's what this is supposed to look like. We come in here for a reprieve, for a recharge, for a, you know, realignment, a team meeting, whatever it is. It's it's more like just a timeout, you know, because we're just right in the middle of the thick of things, and we just call a timeout, and we come in, and we realign and recharge. But it's a team, and we're doing something. I want to do this, and then I about ran out of time. This is, this is the marriage of, you know, you're going to be mad I'm doing this, aren't you, taking your shoes off? I can't get this unzipped. Oh, there's, is this one just for show? That's so weird. Like, the more he lavishes his love on us, the more we should desire to get on our knees and humble ourselves. No no task is too low. What would washing his feet look like today? Since he's the body, who are the big toes of his body? that we need to humble ourselves and wash. Who are the, 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 the ones that people don't like to look on that we need to wash? And we've got to see it. Like there's no greater honor. There was eight points to the sermon. I didn't do any of them. That was my intro. They were really good points too. Not just do it. You know, we have foot washing sometimes. And it's interesting, right? I don't think we've had one here. We had one for the guys. It's a tough thing to do with a large body of people. But begrudgingly washing feet is worse than not washing feet at all. Isn't it? Like, there's no greater, this might be cold, is it? 
That's Tiffany's fault. <laughs> Shouldn't be something we try to do super fast. Our, requ our requirement. What can I get by with? Should be something we want to do as long as they'll sit still long enough for us to do it. I could do this all day. Amen. <laughs> lunch is canceled, she said. No lunch. But feet are not something that we normally love. Unless they're the feet of the one we love. So who are the people we don't normally love unless we realize that they're his feet? His hand, his whatever. Why don't we love people like we love him? If we say we love him but we don't love people, we're a liar, right? I know we already did love people. But we got to send text messages. And I hate, sir, I hate, I hate, I don't want anybody manipulated. I don't want anybody doing anything out of obligation. But we got to send out text messages to see if anybody will just please help us with our children. That's the most backward thing I've ever heard in my whole life. That hundreds of us would sit in this room and listen to a goofy guy try to make sense of the kingdom and communicate it to us and I'll celebrate that while we don't have people to take care of our kids. That should not be. Who loves the kids? Who loves the feet? Who does those things? This is a team. We're here to do work. We're not here just to chill, just to relax. We're here to do work. Yes, it's refreshing, but working is refreshing with him. It's an upside-down kingdom. Again, we're trying to bring in the world standard into the church. We need me time. This ain't your me time. This is not your me time. This is his time. This is his body's time. This is where you need to come in here and find a way to love on his body and serve his body. It's not me time. But you know what? That's what's different than the world. Do you know what me time is in the kingdom? Serving. The most rejuvenating, refilling, refueling thing you can do in the body of Christ the last shall be first. It's all upside down in the body of Christ. This is selfish on my part in the kingdom. I'm not saying selfish in a negative sense, but it is self-serving. Serving is self-serving. Serving is filling ourselves. Serving is filling our tank. Serving, if we get a right idea of what it is, is how we leave services fulfilled. 
That's why people go on mission trips and they say, I don't know what they got out of it. I've got, probably got a lot more than the people we went to serve got. I know I leave every week thinking I got more out of it than I think anybody else got. I'm going to try to put those back on. Let me see that. This literally is not even a zipper. <laughs> Look at that. That is so weird. Only women's shoes would do that. Thank you, baby. Does that make you want to wash my feet? <laughs> Stand up with me. I got to let y'all go. It's analogy before you go. I was going to open with this today. If someone comes to your house or you go to someone's house as a guest, I went to the Young's home Friday night. Friday night? They cooked me filet mignon Man, I shouldn't do that. Everybody be trying to wonder why y'all don't invite them over. Uh, oh, salad, filet mignon, baked potato, loaded, grilled asparagus, shrimp cocktail, and for dessert, the most amazing German chocolate upside down cake. Got it? It's at my house. I took the whole cake. But, but I was a guest at their house, right? They made me feel like a king. They're a wonderful host. That's one of their spiritual gifts. I already know. But I felt no obligation when I went into their house to wash a dish, to mow the lawn, to fix anything that needed repair. I didn't go in and say, hey, you got any things that need repair tonight while I'm here? I feel like if I'm going to eat here, I should do something here. Because I was a guest, like our guest today. Like our guest today. I felt no obligation. I felt no reason. I was laid back in their recliner watching some worship songs on TV, and I said... I think I need to come here and spend the night one night because I don't want to drive home. It's a long way home. <laughs> That's a funny joke, you know, but here's the thing. If for some reason, and my wife and I have had people live with us over the years, right? Paul and Chloe lived with us for a brief time. Things change if you move in, right? Like, if I move in to the Youngs, they 
are going to want me to do something occasionally. They're going to get a little frustrated if I leave all my dishes in their sink every day. They're going to get upset if I destroy the bathroom and leave it that way every day. They're going to eventually say something like, okay, we need you to do a little bit to help us around here if you're going to live here. You love it here. You come here. Worship's great here. Preaching's okay here. <laughs> Everything's wonderful. The people here are so loving, right? If you've been here five years and you're just coming in here enjoying it every day, every Sunday, it's time we have that little talk. It's time for you to start doing a little bit. Because we take it for granted. Everybody loves it. Be there. Hey, I want y'all to have church next Sunday. I want to be there. Yeah, I'll definitely be here. Can I commit? Can I count on you being here? Some of the people that live with us, some of the things that were hard for us to work through is, hey, we got expectations, right? We need to have a little communication. If you're part of the team, I had a boy yesterday, I texted him so many times to ask if he's going to be at the game just so I can make my rotation sheet, and they just would not answer. How hard is it to keep being the church that you love without you helping us be the church that you love? This is not a church that's here when you want it. This is a church that's here when you make it here. We are the church that you love. You are the church that you love. And it will only be here as long as we are being the thing that we want to be here. And if only a certain people are being the thing that you love to be here and experience, that's not right. You need to help us be what you love us to be. I understand there's seasons that we're swamped. And you may have to say, I got to take a season off. If you've been a perpetual season of swampness for four years, it's time to reevaluate. I understand there's injuries. Sometimes you got to go on injury reserve. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, you may need to go on injured reserve. Now, the beautiful thing around here is we're not going to cut you off because you're injured. Hear me say that. If you're injured and you're saying, man, he's telling me if I don't do something, they don't want me here. That's not true. If you're injured and you don't feel like you can do something, I want you to stay connected to this body and we're going to keep making sure you get blood and oxygen. We're going to make sure you keep getting all you need to get healed and we're going to keep believing that one day you're going to get healed enough and you're going to be able to step into what God has for you and we're going to help you find your ministry and your work and find your fulfillment and your maturity in him so stay connected stay connected even if you're on injured reserve but you may have an injury 
that you can play through. Maybe you don't. Maybe we just need to evaluate once again, fresh and new. You know what? I've been saying I'm injured for so long. I don't even remember the last time that hurt, but I just keep saying I can't serve. Maybe you just need to reevaluate and say, hey, I've just gotten a habit of saying I can't. Maybe it actually works now. Maybe I've been connected to this life-giving body for so long that I'm actually healed and don't even realize it. I just keep saying I can't. Maybe I should try it. Maybe I should try to do something I couldn't do before and see if God has healed it. See if strength will return to it. That member that's been lying dormant that used to be injured, but now I just haven't worked it. Your willingness to serve is a direct I can't think of the word I was trying to use. It's correlative, but a direct representation, a direct insight into your understanding or your knowing of your personal significance. How much you mean to the body. No matter what you can do, no matter who you are, you know I've got to get in the game. I've got to get in because I know who I am. And I have something to give. It may not be what they give, and it may not be what they give, and I may not do that, and I may not do that, but I'm not going to sit around and waller in insecurity and call it humility. I'm going to step up and know who I am and do what He's called me to do and find a place and an outlet to serve. I know I mentioned the kids. This is not because we need people. Because we don't. Every ministry we do is an expression of every ministry we want to do. If nobody wants to do the kids, the kids will be in here. I can talk to kids. No big deal for me. It's no big deal. We don't need ministries. We don't need them. We're versatile. We'll do whatever we need to do. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God wouldn't give us all these kids and not give us people that function in a role that can love and pour into these kids. Because I know it's in his heart that they have some specialized time and pouring into. You can put me anywhere. Just put your glory in me. I'll go anywhere. I'll serve anywhere. Can you lead that? We're going to leave with that today. That'll be our prayer to leave. Prayer team, you can come. People may need specialized prayer today. I went a little over today. I'm so sorry. Life groups. Get in a life group. I know it's old-fashioned to say, well, he's the pastor. What's the pastor say? We don't do that anymore, and I don't try to lord over people. But if you have want to know anything about what I think about it, get in a life group. Get in a serve team. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life. 